0: Everyone. And welcome to Food Navigator Asia's monthly podcast, the FNA Food and Beverage Trailblazers. This is a series where we speak to and get to know more about groundbreaking food and beverage startups in the Asia-Pacific region, as well as the people behind them and their stories. I am Pearlie, the editor of Food Navigator Asia, and as always, I am your host for this series. Joining me today is Kerry Chan, CEO and co-founder of Hong Kong-based, cell-based seafood firm, Meat. Oven meat has a very unique focus for its first cellular cultured product, which is fish maw or fish swim bladder, which is a delicacy here of sorts in Asian cuisine and a very big market too, which we'll find out more about later. So, hello, Kerry. Welcome and thank Hi. you so much for joining me today.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me, Perley. It's my pleasure and really happy to chat about this with you today.
0: Very nice to have you here indeed. And First off, I'd like to start by talking a bit about avant-meat about and your cell-based fish mall. Now, I've said this before to another previous podcast guest, um, Sandhya from Shop Meats, that um, cell-based meat is a very niche category in and of itself. And, you know, specializing in seafood, which she did, makes it even more niche. But I think you've gone above and beyond that in specialization, you know, taking it even further <laughs> and focusing on one particular organ. So, yeah, I do have to ask, but, you know, why fish more in particular
1: and what is the significance of this in asian cuisine mm, so why we work with fish more as a pilot product um, just for information um, it's a pilot product we're at the moment also working on fish fillet prototype mm. and so uh, we will have uh, multiple product that is any part valuable and nutritious from fish that is our product line. So why fish more? Um, for people with a little bit background about cultivated meat, um, you will have heard about oh, this is it will be very expensive, at least to begin with. And so that's why we think that okay, let's look at something because price parity is an interesting thing, is also have relativity. So it's also it's only relative to the original product and how expensive or how cheap that is. So that's why we've chosen something which is originally quite expensive. To mm-hmm. begin with, so that we can produce something that reach price parity earlier than later. And um, fish maw uh, is a very simple structure, um, so basically quite homogeneous, mm-hmm. uh, without layers of muscle or fat and something like that. Basically, is a big piece of collagen, um, you know, protein, pure protein. In terms of the fish maw, the texture is relatively easier to kind of replicate uh, than, for example, beefsteak. which when you cut open the people say you know there are blood coming out aroma yeah, yeah. fat and everything so we mm-hmm. think that we would like to make sure that the consumer experience of our first product would be relatively of lower risk that means that they have a higher chance of be happy with our product for the
0: uninitiated i mean for example listeners that let's say in the west are not in asia you know what would you compare fish more to you know in terms of value in let's say in western cuisine like would it be up along the lines or perhaps like, you know, foie gras or oysters know, things like that? Because it's a big thing here. But, you know, some of like, not really get how,
1: just how valuable yeah. it is. Mm. In terms of the value, you mentioned about foie gras and other expensive seafood. Um, so for fish moth, it is decided by several factors. Mm. One is the species, which is very important. Mm. Uh, the most sought-after species is called pahaba. This species already endangered. Mm-hmm. because it is the, um, the most recommended uh, fish species to go to when we come to fish mall in the traditional time, uh, ancient time. People know that it is good for health, um, good for recovering from illness. And now it is illegal, uh, actually, to buy and trade any parts of this uh, fish species. But mm-hmm. it is very expensive. Per kg, it can fetch over 10,000 U.S. dollars. Uh, for the dehydrated form. And the other species also popular, uh, for example, sea bass, uh, croaker, yellow crooker in particular, that could be that can be a range between you know um, five hundred, six hundred up to about 800, 900 per kg. And um, the market of uh, fish more behave a little bit like diamond. So the mm. rare it, the more rare the species or the product is, the more expensive it is. And there mm-hmm. are also investment-grade products. People who invest in this kind of very exotic, uh, wear a product of uh, seafood, dry seafood, they probably would consider, okay, the cellular, the cell-based version would be very different. It is not the same as the... Mm-hmm. It's just like diamond. Diamond for the people who invest in investment-grade diamond they would regard the left-grown diamond, which exists, the technology existed for a number of years already, they will regard it as more functional use. So Mm -hmm. for us, we are also more uh, focused on the functional use market. That means that people like to um, consume it, cook it, and eat it for the health benefit, uh, Mm -hmm. for the rich protein, collagen, etc., If I were to ask you, you know, to compare
0: the cell-based meat or, you know, seafood industry in Hong Kong versus maybe in Singapore, you know, what would you say that the major differences are here?
1: I did uh, spend uh, some time, not very long, but a few months in Singapore when I was Mm. studying at the institute there. So my exposure or my personal first-hand experience is definitely um uh chili crab which is basically (laughs) the signature of the country and um well i wasn't vegan i'm i'm now uh decided to be vegan because of uh you know environmental reason and various reasons i don't eat them now but uh back in the day i definitely enjoy uh having uh crab so i i see that the the choice of the uh seafood is uh, Mm. uh slightly different but in general maybe less fish but maybe more uh, like crab, crustacean, and definitely shrimps mm-hmm. that we, we, uh, we definitely see why shock is uh, working mm-hmm. on that would make a lot of sense. Uh, so I, I, I think that is, uh, that's the difference. We have, we have a little bit more fish on our menu.
0: What are the most pressing challenges that you, know, you have seen for cell-based meat and seafood? It, maybe across Asia and are there any that you think
1: are particularly unique to perhaps Hong Kong and China? Um, Hong mm-hmm. Kong is very similar to Singapore. We do not have a lot of big spaces. Um, mm-hmm. Which, when we scale up to multi thousand uh, liters of bioreactor, we definitely need a bigger space. And space does not sort of come cheap um, in yeah. Singapore as in Hong Kong. And so these are the challenges. So we need to work with uh, collaborators or um, partners who uh, who like to work on this together, who who have some resources that. Um, like space or um, that we can we can work with together without uh, without single handed like one company taking care of the, the whole setup. So I think that will be a very win win situation mm. to do a lot of collaboration along that line. When you last you know spoke with Food Navigator Asia you had you were about to launch the Fish
0: Mom that we mentioned earlier, so that was last year. I know you've already mm. launched and everything. So what are you like Tell me a bit more about, you know, in terms of reception response from the
1: public. You know, how has that been so far? Where 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 you have launched? In in that uh, first event in October that mm-hmm. was held in Hong Kong, uh, we have people attended the tasting and they all like the texture and mm-hmm. happy about how it is made. Is definitely cleaner. Ensure that it contains a lot of plenty of collagen in it. So that was a very good uh, Good result that uh, we are very grateful for and Mm. afterwards there are a couple of events that we uh, do other recipe Uh, One Mm. recipe is that we make the fish more into smaller pieces Not as big chunk and then we uh, use it in a dessert and uh, which is interesting because Yes, because uh, traditionally Fishmall is only for savory dish, mostly. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, in, some, in some places, uh, they can also be made into dessert. Why we can do that is that the way that we make the uh, fish mall we do not have the bacteria in the environment. So it's to, totally mm-hmm. clean, controlled. So there's no, the fishy smell or the unpleasant yeah, yeah. fishy smell comes from the degradation of the protein of mm-hmm. the fish when it's exposed mm-hmm. to the environment of bacteria. Uh, in our case, because it's totally clean, so we don't have any, Um, those kind of uh, protein breakdown. So we don't have species now, and it goes very well with a dessert. We use a coconut-based milk, and we had that served to about 100 people in a uh, small lunch break event, um, uh, together with a a talk on the technology. We feel that there would be definitely a very strong level of receptiveness when we start launching our product in the market. Oh, mm, okay. I'm
0: sorry. I'm, I, I'm still hung up about the dessert. That is so interesting. <laughs> I can't it <imagine laughs> around it. That is so cool. All right. Yep. All right. So, okay. And what I want to do now is actually sort of like drive the conversation back to, well, the entrepreneur in the room, you know, and like, okay. I want to find out more about you and your entrepreneurial journey, you know, from everything you've been saying, it might be a little bit hard for people listening to sort of, you know, and jim um, mm. you know that you you're not from a scientific background. I understand you have you're from a really what I can only describe as a dynamic background. You know you've been in building right. design, property development, <laughs> project management. Right, the list goes on. I I so I looked at the list and it, it will go on, but it would be here all day. So
1: <laughs> right, right. I think I what I really want to know is that you know mm. how did you mm. find yourself here? Basically, first of all, my motivation is that um. I am very interested in dedicating my time, at least a significant part of my career and profession, mm-hmm. professional life into something meaningful. I work on a couple of ideas with classmates, it solves several ideas, and um, some of them are that, that could be very profitable, but it is more like helping rich people getting richer. Mm-hmm. And it's not serving a, a, a significant problem, And I myself become uh, vegan because of the environmental reason. I know that it is not very sustainable. And so I myself personally, I can, uh, I would say, give up or I'm happy not eating meat. But I know that uh, for a majority of people, because of the preference culture and the environment and everything, uh, meat is still very important in our diet, in our lifestyle as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we need to find a solution instead of uh, just asking people to say, Hey, become a vegetarian or become a you know become <laughs> plant based. I think mm-hmm. um, uh, we I was looking at alternative solution, and interestingly, uh, I come across this idea two thousand and eighteen. Um, and thanks to um, the NGO in the states, the Good Food Institute, I get to understand get a grip of what is happening here uh, very quickly without mm-hmm. doing a lot of lengthy research on my own. So that's very mm-hmm. helpful. And um, and then I I know that uh, I know that. China at that time, uh, there's uh, there potentially be some academic research, but no, uh, no private company coming out to do commercialization yet. And then I thought to myself, okay, um, maybe I can try work on it. Uh, I actually have some struggle because people uh, near me, most of them are also vegetarian and vegan, mm-hmm. and some of them are supportive of this. Uh, some of them, they still mm, you involve uh, killing some animals along the way, which is mm-hmm. not preferable. But uh, I see the, the trade-off or the benefit of it is very big in terms of the scale. Um, if we, we have to work with uh, a small number now that we only work with three or four fish. And if we can, through this, uh, save billions of fish, yeah. I, I think it worth fit. So that's why I gradually accept that. What were some mm. of the major personal and professional challenges that you must have seen you know, going along this way? Actually, there's a lot of transferable skills. Uh, mm. What I have experienced personally, uh, my first training is in architect. Architect sometimes is misunderstood as someone who do a lot of math calculation to calculate what is the, the, the <laughs> thickness of the wall and the size of the beam and column. But actually not. That is a structural engineer's job. Mm. An architect job is actually put together everything. Architect, there's also one feature is architect is not good at any particular thing, but then we have learned the ability to communicate with the specialists like the building Mm -hmm. service engineer, the structure engineer. We we learn the language so that we can communicate with them and we understand what is the physical, the limitation, the constraint and everything in order to put together a design that works overall Mm -hmm. as an entirety. So Mm -hmm. that is the very important skill set. I think it's very transferable to business because Mm -hmm. business we have many different factors to consider. And in the middle, in this case, I have to communicate with scientists, which I have no, yep. not much background except biology from second, secondary school, <laughs> but um, I need to understand a lot and uh, sufficient enough that I can communicate with them, uh, mm-hmm. ask some layman question and combine that with the commercial consideration, uh, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, to come up with a uh, strategy.
0: There is something I didn't want to touch on that you mentioned on earlier, you mentioned that now you are um, vegan already, right? Now you've turned vegan mm-hmm. vegetarian. So um, you also mentioned a bit about how um, people have been commencing, you know, working on cell-based meat and still being a vegan. So from your point of view, does it mean that, you know, cell-based meat is sort of consumable by those who are vegan and vegetarian? Um is there any sort of like debate going on there that you could cue me on in? Mm. Uh,
1: well, the, the interesting thing about uh, the vegan idea or vegetarian idea or plant-based idea is that it is not a religion. So that's mm-hmm. no one really write the, the Bible or what you can uh-huh. eat and what you can yeah. not eat like uh, in halal or kosher, mm-hmm. uh, which is very straight and very well defined. But for vegan and vegetarianism, um, people have the wrong set of belief. Some people, they decide to adopt that diet preference because of the religious pers- uh, reason, uh, for environmental reason, for animals or for their health, etc. In my mm-hmm. case... I, um, I'm i concerned on both uh, the environmental impact. It does not make sense that everyone eats so much meat and the, mm-hmm. the planet cannot sustain it. The mm-hmm. other, we know that the industrial way of producing meat is generally not healthy for us anyway mm-hmm. because of the, it is necessary because when we look at the history, uh, if we, every one of us need to grow our own, um, chicken or, mm-hmm. you know, raise our own cattle, we will not have time to work on other new industry development. Mm-hmm. So the world has developed in a way that is a task specialization, but the scale has reached upon that the concentrated keeping of animal is so unhealthy. The animal is unhealthy. Of course, you can say that they're organic, but, you know, it is not very uh, realistic to expect that everyone can uh, consume organic um, price-wise mm-hmm. or other consideration. And so I concerned about the health impact of eating too much of this product. Mm -hmm. So, in my case, for example, uh, once that product is produced, I'm very happily consume that because I know that it is clean, Mm -hmm. and I know that it is not uh, killing the animal, and I know that uh, yeah, it is good for the environment, and uh, I will not have a problem um, Mm -hmm. eating that. This is what I think. But of course, there are other. vegan or vegetarian, they think that mm, I basically do not want to have any animal on my plate, mm. uh, including the salt and everything. So for those, they might not be our consumer ultimately, which is totally fine.
0: Would you have
1: any advice for other entrepreneurs out there who are
0: trying to set up in a company or, you know, or make such
1: major changes as you have? For me, there are actually three tests. Um, three tests is first. If I put it aside and come back to think about it, would I regret not doing this mm. um, in the next, um, in the next uh, year or so, six months or 12 months? And then the next question is that, would I regret not doing this in the next five years? Yeah. And then the last question is that, would I regret not doing this when I'm at my deathbed? And uh-huh. that is the uh-huh. ultimate challenge. Mm-hmm. So I know after the first like, six months, travel, maybe, okay, I'm not ready. I need to save more money to you know, get my account Uh, financial personal Mm -hmm. financial status ready but then if you think about okay five years this thing this technology moving so fast if i do not do anything for the next two years definitely something is happening and definitely you know um that would be uh, more in terms of the time to start we will be less advantages because there will be more people ready to develop Mm -hmm. uh, more advanced solution and, and I believe, truly believe that this technology is going to be happening, it's going to be reality, and in five years it will be a reality. And then I will, I will just, oh, I'm so regretful, I did not do anything back then. <laughs> yep, so then yep, that mm-hmm. did not pass the second test already. Not to mention I'm sure that I would regret if I don't do anything. I think this is something that guide a lot of uh, decision along the time, not mm-hmm. just for this, but maybe a major decision along the line, like whether I should go study overseas. Um, take up this job, or travel the world, or this and that. Uh, this may help. A, this may help a bit, and it trigger your gut feeling to give you some some mm. answer. Very very helpful.
0: Love. Thank you so much, thank
1: you. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it
0: will you know do wonders for especially those like you know budding entrepreneurs out there who aren't sure
1: whether or not they should take the next step. So yeah, thank you very much. Mm. All right. Thank you yeah. very much, Kelly, and thank you very much for for the for the time today and thank you very much for having me all right yeah thanks
0: so much for joining me today kerry i had a very 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 nice time speaking with you so good luck with everything and yep thank you also everyone for listening to this podcast as well and i'm wishing everyone here a great day ahead so for food navigator asia this is prelly signing off.